podcast. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome. Hello. 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 Welcome uh, all our friends to Radicalize Truth Survives. As you know, we are an investigative podcast about disinformation and we got your back. I am uh, Heidi Kuda. I'm here with Jim Stewartson, Sean Connor, High Fidelity. Uh, we are living in a time of grave deception and we are trying to bring as much clarity to the influence war uh, as we possibly can. So uh, without further ado, we have a big show for you. We have Martin Scheel back with us uh, for his Maybe. second visit. Um, he had said he had speculated in our first interview with him that if we don't do some really gnarly sanctions hitting the oligarchs where they hurt, that we will be in a world of hurt. And he's going to bring us the uh, update on the impacts that these sanctions are having, as well as go over a few major, major events, uh, including the arrest of a Fox News director. So we have a big, big show coming up. Um, we're starting now with Front Loaded, where we drop some knowledge right at the top because we think uh, the more news we break, the more opportunity people have to kind of filter in their head what's really relevant and what is, you know, uh, less relevant. Um, so one of our viewers tipped us off to a very disturbing phenomenon. And the bottom line is that Facebook's algorithm continues to be set on destroy democracy mode as our friend of the show noted, because she was very concerned about the trucker convoy op. She typed into Facebook trucker convoy, up came a bunch of Facebook pages. She started surfing through these pages and she found a couple things that are very relevant that we wanna share with you. One, she found somebody bragging about an insider on the DC Metro police she tweeted that information out. She got a call from Internal Affairs. They said, how did you find this? She said she typed it into Trucker Convoy and Facebook. So that's one thing that happened. And then she did notice this particular page did stop producing so much video. This is the second very important thing that happened, gentlemen. She started getting invited to join these other groups. So let's take a look at this American uh, Trucker Freedom Convoy group, okay? Uh, this is among the groups that she was invited to find as she was surfing around. She found a video on somebody's Facebook page who said he was the head of the American Trucker Freedom Convoy group, a gentleman from Louisiana named Kip Clotrin. Um, if we have that clip, I'd like to listen to one minute. The reason she brought us him to our attention is A, he had posted uh, about a meeting he had with a representative named Clay Higgins. But if you listen to what he's saying, she was so alarmed because there clearly are two worlds in America. There's many worlds in America, but there's one where we don't other people. And then there is a world where everything is about othering so they can further their objective of destroying our institutions. If we have that, let's just watch maybe a minute, minute and a half. So you have to realize that you're not going to put your trucks bumper to bumper and then the illegals go, Woo, we're just not going to do that. I've been in times where I've been 616,000 pounds down in Catula, Cadillac and down a back road going to a location. You good? I don't want to mess you up with your mirror. And uh, next thing you know, you ain't fixing to just slam on the brakes and you're rolling 70, 75 out there because it's open country. And the very next thing you know, a damn illegal run out right in front of your truck. 
almost clipped one one day like hitting a dog and he scared me so bad that I reared down on the train horn and I guess when the pressure wave blew him out the other side of my truck without me hitting him he was airborne and had his hands in the air doing this it ain't gonna work so what it is it's entertaining talk there were some ideas discussed today about the border wall obviously we don't have to discuss its relevant need we know we need it I, I would right like to now, cut it there I'd like to cut it there because there's a couple things and then I'm going to bring you guys in. Uh, he's using words that I, we don't use here in Southern. I mean, the, the people that I roll with don't other people like that. We're respectful of human life. We don't just treat people's lack of dignity and label him like that. He goes on to say that he is not a racist person. He goes on to talk about how it's about you know, people taking jobs. He goes on to talk about how he's intending with his own uh, community to build their own wall because of this need. But we all know a lot about how these things work. And the only thing I want to point out, there were two things that were just, just very alarming for me. One, of course, was his choice of words. The other were the white power symbols in the chat. Okay. So, he met with Clay Higgins. Maybe Jim can tell us a little bit about that particular representative, and then I'd like you guys to comment. Uh, I mean, Clay came to my attention just because he was the he was one of the representatives of you know uh, in Congress who uh, you know posed in front of his Christmas tree with all of his kids. He had a lot of them. I don't remember. Maybe eight something like that yeah. and they all had fucking automatic weapons or semi-automatics yeah. and um, very disturbing they're in front of the christmas tree with yeah. with you know semi-automatic weapons um you know the, the this is the you know this this is what they wanted they they want people like this guy uh to be radicalized and have their racism and their xenophobia and their hate rationalized and so you know now they've now they've got the trucker convoy and the whole and and he just this whole and i'll stop in a second but this image of of the illegal like going up in the air and flipping him like 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 a dog right like the idea that this guy can't see that this is racism that he can't understand that everything he's saying is absolutely inhuman you know, is basically the entire problem we have in a nutshell. That's right. And he's saying it in like Ralph Lauren Couture. He looks really good as he's saying it. He clearly has people cheerleading him. Um, it's very alarming. And we're going to talk more about how we believe that. And, and the next clip, we'll, we'll let Carol Cadwallader say, say what I want to say in the next clip. Hi-Fi, uh, your thoughts? Ugh. I can't believe these people still exist. <laughs> like, how, how are they even? People aren't illegal, all right? No. Most, you know, people are fleeing from fucking tyrants and yeah. and mobsters and gangsters and sex Starving. traffickers and yeah, and and oh, they're here to take our jobs. 
All right, buddy, nobody wants to take your job riding around in a truck wearing a green shirt and a brown jacket, first off. Unfortunately, they're making it to where a whole group of people are illegals. In Texas, unfortunately, not only have they gone after the, the, you know, abortion, which which have plummeted, the abortions have plummeted in Texas, but now they're they're looking at, um, you know, any uh, families that entertain the notion of a transgender child, right, is getting is getting pursued by social services for child abuse. Yeah. Um, this has already started happening. So if, if a family or if parents, you know, have a transgendered, you know, uh, child, then, they, then the school finds out about it, they're referring them to yeah. child protective services. And they will take your child away. That's illegal. They're making it illegal in, in, in Texas to, well, have, to, to discuss or have a, to even discuss it. We, ca- we call people looking for work, un- undocumented workers here. And my parents were immigrants who came looking for work and nobody called them illegal. And it took them a while to become citizens. And, you know, so this, this is the othering that is very useful when people try to take away freedoms and, and wish to be part of authoritarian, you know, capture. But I had sent Jim a list, uh, the master list of logical fallacies. If we continue to, there's 143 things that are done to to other people and to troll and to, you know, if we went through and listened to the rest of that, uh, we would hear a few of those things on that list. And my, my gravest concern is that the reason we're spotlighting this gentleman is because he's very effective. And that is what alarmed my friend who shared this with us. He's there in Louisiana and he is very, very effective. And so these two conversations, you know, we've talked about civil war. This is how you stoke it and you inflame it. And they are othering people as Hi-Fi so beautifully described who are just trying to survive. Um, So um, it made me angry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they're... We, they, you know, I, they're, they're also doing anti-Semitism and all of that. But, you know, the, the um, Muslims and, you know, quote, illegals were, you know, that, that, those were the other from the very beginning, from the, yeah. from the walk down the fucking, you know, uh, escalator, right? Yeah. Um, that was, that was the plan from the start. Right. Was to create that hate, to create the other. Um, and build the cult. And why I wanted to open this with Front Loaded is because, as Jim has beautifully described this week, uh, Telegram, Google, and Apple stores need to, you know, stop the Telegram uh, spigot. And, you know, we have seen, obviously, there's a lot of noise about what do we do about Fox, but Facebook is still a problem. And this all is occurring on Facebook and the algorithm is encouraging a woman who was researching to join more sites, just as Christopher Boozy was encouraged on Twitter to find more Meghan uh, Meghan Markle hate accounts, just as Jim was able to enter QAnon on Twitter two years ago uh, because they encouraged him to follow all the accounts. So that is what is incur- happening on Facebook in real time. And I would, uh, I would, I want Carol Cadwallader now, who was just interviewed on Christiane Amapour's show. This is a minute long clip. I'd like her to be able to speak for us. She's the great reporter, of course, in um, the UK that has, you know, really known for breaking down the Cambridge Analytica, Facebook, you know, 
Bannon-Mercer triangulation. 2016. And that investigation became, you know, we, we, we broke the Cambridge Analytica and Facebook scandal. But all the way through this reporting, we see this really clear line between Brexit, Trump and Russia. And there is a triangulation there. There is a, a, there is a, a straight and clear line through multiple individuals and organisations and via the tech platforms. There you go. All right. And so via you know. the tech platforms. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're, we're going to move on. But Hi-Fi and I wrote a little thread this morning, and it just basically says, Putin's bombs in Ukraine, his capture of elite, elites across the globe, the purchasing of politicians, the trolls and media manipulation, and the irregular warfare we are seeing here at home in the form of civil unrest are all part of the same war. He wants global domination, and we go on to speak on that more. But... Um, that's what we're facing. So that is a core reason for doing this show. And with that sobering news, I say uh, we move on to word phrase of the week. All right. Word phrase of the week this week is information environment. Oh, my God. Perfect. And what is the information <laughs> environment? Uh, the infor information environment for an individual is anything they take in. It could be the television programs they watch, the radio they listen to, the social media they ingest, uh, the websites they visit, the people they talk to. And what this does is yeah. their information environment informs them about the world. Uh, but if this information environment can be corrupted, it can be sealed off, it becomes a bubble it can actually end up poisoning minds. Thank you. Yeah, I think um, we are. Yep, go ahead, Jim. I mean, here, here's the thing that's that's different now, right? Um, in order to get somebody in a cult before, to change the information environment, you had to take them to a compound somewhere in Waco, and you know, and you know, put them in a room and not feed them, and and like control their physical information environment. Uh, in order to brainwash them, right, into uh, into the cult. Um, the the innovation, as it were, uh, that, that happened when the internet came is that the information environment can be completely controlled now externally, right, mm -hmm. without any, without having to take you anywhere mm -hmm. because the vast majority of signal that you get is from electronic devices. Mm -hmm. It's not from the real world anymore. It's not from physical environment. It used to be that way. They had to lock you in a fucking room. Now they don't. They just need to control what's on the screen of your phone and your computer. Right. That's all they have to do. And, and, and that, is a, that is the fundamental difference is that the information environment can now be controlled by bad actors trivially, honestly, yeah, and I think because they're allowed to. The yeah. key piece of that, Jim, is also we can't, you know, it doesn't go unnoticed is the the broadcasting, the messaging on Fox News, right? Because they go mm -hmm. online and within that purview, there's controlled information. And mm -hmm. then when they go turn on the local news or they go turn on the Fox News, oh, it's there on the television also. Mm -hmm. So those things you know, sort of bolstered each other hand in hand in terms of some messaging. So That's it was, right. you know, so John, I'm just thinking of my 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 
mother-in-law's and the environment going up to the Northwoods, Minnesota, and seeing her just discuss all these things that I know were from Fox News, but they match perfectly with the QAnon narrative and the things yeah. that we've seen online. Um, just like the, you know, the, the Russian leaked memo where they said uh, that, you know, you must play the Tucker Carlson footage yes. on the broadcast. You know? Important. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you guys, I love it when you guys condense things into two words. One of you, I think it was Hi-Fi yesterday, said it's a radicalization bubble. Yeah. And that really gives us something to work with. We're always trying just to simplify it because if there are viewers here who can reach people who aren't all the way co-opted yet, these are the things that help. So thank you for that. I also want to point out, we often see Sean's art for the first time when we are actually recording the show. And I just want to point out, you know, all those things that you see are coming from Sean Connor and they're amazing. Like that image you just did. So thank you for that. Why high fidelity? All right. So our first story this week is African gold. And uh, this story is, is a combination of stories, really. Uh, the first one is that uh, Sudan is looking to bolster its economy uh, through the production of gold. Uh, even though there are sanctions against the Sudanese government because of a coup that took place, and the Sudanese government was also required to deny Russian gold smuggling. However, if you look at their output, their production of gold, it's actually gone down a few percent. You say, oh, it's just a few percent. It's not that much. Uh, except that a few percent, uh, that's actually tons of gold. And the other story that relates to this is in Mali, in uh West Africa, which recently had a coup supported by Wagner, which Russian mercenary troops, mm -hmm. uh, their national output of gold dropped 2.6%. Mm -hmm. And that is also tons and tons of gold. Mm -hmm. uh, where this gold has disappeared to, most likely Russia, and it is being used to support uh, the war in Ukraine since Russia has been cut off uh, from the financial system. Uh, from SWIFT because of these sanctions. Right. But there's a bigger story. And the bigger story is the reason that countries like Sudan and Mali are producing uh, more gold output over the last few years is because they brought in artisanal uh, gold miners. Mm -hmm. However, artisanal gold miners, as nice as that sounds, they actually use a lot of mercury and a lot of cyanide to extract the gold in Africa. And they're leaving behind giant ponds uh, called cyanidication ponds, uh, which are ponds poisoned with cyanide. And they're also uh, poisoning groundwater with mercury. So they are killing the environment and the people in Africa to fund the Russian war to kill people in Ukraine. That's why it matters. I, I also I need to to point out that um, Africa has been a target for quite some time, right? Um, mm -hmm. Especially by one Mr. Eric Prince, mm -hmm. um, who factors into so much of of this. Um, you know, I mean, think about it, right? He's he's he was over in Mali. He you know he's over in Libya mm -hmm. um, for for 
for a very, very long time. And he's also the guy who trains Project Veritas mm -hmm. operatives. Like, imagine, I, I mean, it's quite a portfolio, if you think mm -hmm. about it, right? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. And uh, he actually features in another of our stories a little bit yeah, later on. I know. I know. Well, yeah. Uh, again, we don't do this show to be alarmist. We do this show so people can follow what's important and then take action. And whether it's reporters watching us, whether it is people in their community who can reach out to their political leaders, um, it is very, very important that these headlines are not buried week after week because everyone's looking at Ukraine right now. What are some of the scholars who study this? They say to please watch what's happening in Africa because that is an ongoing play that is um, going to be very, um, when we talk about global domination, that is part of this, this play. So it's important. Thank you so much for bringing us. So uh, moving on to our next bit of um, fuckery. <laughs> our next bit of fuckery today uh, is Israeli intransigence. And this story is, uh, well, there's a lot of threads that lead to Israel. Uh, lately, uh, since the sanctions have come down against Russian oligarchs, 14 private jets have landed in yeah. Israel and have not been seized yet. Yeah. Um, additionally, uh, you know, Israel has been slow to bolster the sanctions that the uh, United States and EU have pushed against Russia. Yeah. Uh, let us not forget that, uh, you know, one of the head gangsters of the Russian mafia, Semyon Mogilevich, uh, has Israeli citizenship. Yeah. And, and let us not forget to go back even a little bit farther when Ehud Barak uh, worked with Jeffrey Epstein on a company called Carbine, mm -hmm. uh, which is used in currently Peter Thiel's uh, <laughs> surveillance <laughs> capitalism <laughs> network. Uh, uh, yeah, gathering 911 data. So, I, you just can't stop. I was just going to say, I'm so appreciative that you've got your eye on all of this. I wish that the rest of the media would do their job so, too. Yes, Jim. The, the, uh, Israeli intelligence and uh, it, look, Israel's a lot like the U.S. in the sense that, um, yes, it's a democratic nation. Yes, it is primarily, you know, it's our ally for a reason. Um, but it's also got a bunch of infiltration by mm -hmm. the fucking Russians mm -hmm. and by others. Um, and a bunch of like corruption. Just yeah. like just like we had a Russian asset in mm -hmm. charge of our country, so did they. Netanyahu is absolutely Putin's boy. Like, no doubt about it. Oh yeah, they are. They are. They are tight as can be, and there are huge parts of the government, including Mossad and and, and Unit eighty two hundred, which is a, a elite part of Mossad, um, that go out and run ops on American citizens. Mm -hmm. They do it all the time. Um, there is a lot of unfriendly Israeli intelligence, uh, especially ex-Israeli intelligence, but you mm -hmm. know that comes from somewhere. So, you know, um, it, it's hard because they are our ally and they mm -hmm. are, you know, it, it's the home of the Jewish people. I'm half Jewish. And and so there is a there is a a desire to protect it. And we should. Mm -hmm. um, but it is not immune from right. what's going on. And it's got some serious problems. It's got some infiltration and we're seeing it right now. 
And uh, as I always say, it's complicated. You know, it's, <laughs> yes, com it's, com it's complicated. I mean, we can say the same yes, thing is. about UK. You know, um, so thank you so much. Let's uh, let's breeze through the next one and get on to uh, legal briefs. I think you have Veritas Villains coming up. Yep, Veritas Villains. So uh, Project Veritas and their uh, <coughs> head uh, James O'Keefe released video this week of uh, a New York Times reporter. Yeah. talking smack about his co-workers mm -hmm. and the reason they're targeting New York Times reporters is because Project Veritas is very very unhappy about all the reporting that the New York Times has done on Project Veritas. Mm -hmm. Now remember Project Veritas is uh, involved in the theft of the diary of Joe Biden's daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, Project Veritas has honeypotted Mm -hmm. uh, numerous individuals who they want to expose. And they've also done, you know, uh, training. training. Yeah. Well, yeah. they were trained by Eric Prince in a number of different uh, places. Uh, but they've yeah, also at, released at the videos in Wyoming, mm -hmm. in the, at the ranch in, in Wyoming in, and in Virginia. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Uh, well, the, they were, they released deceptively edited videos, does, designed specifically to fuck with people's view of reality and made made to look like it was an investigative journalist piece yeah but, yeah but there was an agenda to, there's an agenda with everything you guys yeah. remember acorn yeah, yeah. How when, we forget? They, when they destroyed acorn that yeah. was that was the proto project veritas yeah. it was yeah. it was breitbart and james o'keefe and eric yeah. prince and they fucking uh they tore down um you know this just totally innocent group and they were like that was awesome let's build a whole machine about it right yeah. and so they did right. um and 10 10 years later it is a fucking monster i mean they've got people everywhere yeah. they really do and and mostly the 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 you know what we the videos are recruitment it's recruitment right sure. like like, like the, the, the journalism part of it is only a small part of it. Mainly it's to enforce the narrative and to punish people who say stuff they don't like. Yeah. Yeah. And they had, I remember when I was looking back on, back at it in like the mid to late aughts, there was hundreds and hundreds of videos not released. So you can only imagine what lurks in that and who's been compromised perhaps to yeah. play along. So it's a, uh, yeah. Bad news. Bad a, a lot of them are actors too, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's very strange. They're all, they are, you know, two thirds of them come from Explore Talent, mm -hmm. which is, you know, a weird website where they, you know, it's a casting website. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, like all these people <laughs> like showed up on there and appears to be, you know, honestly, just a, basically a, you know, shop for an op. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a paying, a paying gig in a, in a, you know, in a yeah. world where probably, uh, you know, entertainment yeah. is a tough nut to crack. Yeah. You know, acting, you're going to go have dinner with, uh, you know, um, McMaster and see if you can seduce him and get him to cheat on his wife. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that. They did that. Yeah. Or you become <laughs> you a know? congresswoman who is disruptive to get attention and to distract from the good work that might be done in the Biden administration, you know, or you play a part of pretending to be like a hyper, you know, conservative reporter 
where prior to this gig, you were a normal chick with normal values. So unfortunately, we may know this is happening, but people are looking at these people on a surface level and they don't know it's a shop for an op. I like that phrase. They don't know. So we're here to do the best we can to expose it. But that was one hell of a, you know, news block on some serious malfeasance. Yep. Briefly, briefs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. so these, uh, unfortunately, these aren't going to be much better, but uh, we've got to talk about Johnson & Johnson's um, battle that they won to basically split off a, a separate company called L LTL Management that they then declared bankruptcy. Uh, so the for the 38,000 talcum powder lawsuits that were levied against Johnson & Johnson for causing ovarian cancer. Um, some of the talcum powder had asbestos in it, some didn't, they still caused cancer. Uh, in order to pay those that settlement, Johnson & Johnson spun off a separate company that then declared bankruptcy. The judge upheld that ruling. First time it's, I think that it has happened, it's gonna be chaos if this uh, stands for other mass tort litigation. Um, so basically this says Johnson Johnson certainly isn't bankrupt. You know, they make billions and billions a year. They've made billions this past quarter, but they were allowed to spin off, restructure their organization and then file all of the liability went toward that one company, LTL management. And then they declared bankruptcy, driving down the costs of uh, the settlements. And, you know, defense attorneys have, have threatened this for years. Every mass tort that I've been a part of, they've threatened to do this. They just never have. They have now and it was upheld. And it was it's going to be frightening um, if this continues to be upheld. What was even more frightening about this was that in this case, Johnson & Johnson um, was found to have experimented on African-American prisoners by injecting them with asbestos, um, which is horrifying. Uh, it was during the late 50s and 60s. Um, and this, unfortunately, is, is not a unique story, but I do want to impart to you guys when you see these massive healthcare conglomerates, these international Companies, they're not your friends. They do make some good products, but they also have been involved in and they have a history of very deceitful, very duplicitous acts. So be sure that you read all your labels, uh, you know, talk to your doctor twice, any informed consent, you know, you sign, read it three times because um, I've been going against these guys for a while and this one is probably the most egregious and disgusting one that I've seen so far. Um, but that's Johnson Johnson. They just make baby powder, or they they just make uh, you know shampoo, right? Um, that's the image that they project. But they are, and you can you can do the research for yourself. Look at the the uh, federal lawsuits that they've had against them in the past ten years. It's uh, it's outrageous. You, you'll 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 quickly find out that they're been involved in fraud and marketing fraud and all sorts of activities from medical device manufacturing fuck ups to you know sophisticated kickback schemes from doctors. Um, wow. How, how are they allowed to continue to dodge liability for their actions? Wow. It's one thing to say we need to hold the executives accountable, which we do. Mm -hmm. But That's these companies are playing these legal games and abusing our, our legal yeah. system yeah. to this get out of trouble for killing people. 
This is the worst one I've ever oh. seen. Yeah, I've never seen anything this egregious. Like I said, they've always been threatening this. It's the first time they've actually done it, and it's been upheld, which I am shocked by. So you couldn't do this as an individual. You couldn't split off no. High Fidelity Inc. and then declare no. bankruptcy for that. I couldn't as an individual. If I'm under tax audit, I couldn't That's spin right. off. You know, but as a corporation, um, you know, when it's when it's profitable to them, then they act as a person. When it's profitable to them, they act yeah. as a corporation. They, they vacillate between these things. Wow. And it's just infuriating because, you know, having a small business, I did not realize, you know, the massive advantages you get as a small business. And as a larger business, they just increase, you know. So eventually these corporations end up having more rights, quote unquote, if you will, than an individual in some instances, certainly in the tax code. Um, Marty, corporations Marty. are people, yeah. as, uh, as Mr. Romney said. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're people when it's advantageous to them and then the yeah, corporations, they don't want to be yeah. people. Martin Scheel has some solutions to this, by the way, so we need to pick his brain on that. And Good. of course, one of Good. them is to enforce the Yates Memorandum. Uh, two things came to mind with that egregious bit of news. Uh, the headline last week, lead from gasoline blunted the IQ of about half the U.S. population. And, yeah. I mean, let and it nothing. Yeah, nothing, right? You know, let it gas banned in 96, but exposure to the poison cost people born before then several IQ points and nothing, nothing, you know, maybe add another 40 cents of tax on it. I mean, nothing. These headlines come in and we just move on. And uh, I think that is a headline worth noting. And the other thing that you made me think about, what did Cambridge Analytica do when it was found to have poisoned the ecosystem in democracies throughout the world? declared bankruptcy, dissolved, went away. I don't think we're going to uh, stop trying to expose what happened in 2016, not just to our country, but of course, Brexit, Nigeria, Kenya. This was a global operation. SCL was weaponizing the military, you know, uh, consultancy was weaponizing people's data and that's this is, as, as Jim has pointed out, it's a poison. We gotta start thinking of this information war as a poison, as a toxin, and not just ignore what just happened. So Cambridge Analytica declaring bankruptcy, Robert Mercer so far getting away with it, and Bannon, not acceptable. We have to still continue to push on and expose these acts of what I consider terror. Yep. Wow. Heavy, heavy, heavy. This is a heavy show. Important stuff, though. Hellscape's going to lighten everything up. I just know it. Jim Stewartson's Hellscape. Oh, fuck. So this is our 17th show. And uh, to a lot of people out there, 17 is a very special number because it represents the letter Q. Yes. And that's extremely annoying to people who are not in q and uh but um i figured i'd mention it since i spoke to the person who says he invented q not that he was q but he invented it so there's a guy named defango slash uh manny chavez and uh i i've been dealing in one way or another with this guy for since i started more or less a, a year and a half um very harmful troll um just a mean person who does mean shit all the time on the other hand the story he told me a long time ago now um 
is the only one that has actually like borne out. So I've been told a shitload of stories about Q and where it came from and all that. Um, this guy, as annoying and uh, you know, frankly harmful as he is, um, his story keeps checking out, um, and I I think that that's important. Um, you know, in this business, in the business of trying to find stuff out about bad people, you're going to run into difficulties, right? And the reason for that is very simple. If you're running a crime ring, you don't want it to be easy to investigate you because then you won't be, you won't be doing crime for very long, right? So they, they put people and processes and groups in place to, to protect um, you know, the, the operators to protect, to protect the people up the chain. And so as I started getting, you know, closer to this, the more intense my pushback got, um, you know, people, there is a, a funny sort of QAnon phrase, you're over the target. Well, look, it's fucking true. The closer I got to the real people who did this, the more intense all of this shit got. Wow. Um, including from Defango. But, Defango also, um, I think, genuinely has some level of guilt, and he also wants to limit his liability. Mm. So, here's uh, uh, so Defango was around um, for sure at the beginning of Q. That is that is a fact. Um, Defango's story is, and there's there there is corroborating evidence, um, is that he went to DefCon in uh july of 2017 defcon is a security conference and defango says he went there um sort of under the banner of cicada which was a different puzzle game arg um but he had this idea for q in the back of his mind and he he wanted to share it with people and see if he could get it going so let me pause here and say he invented q knowing the ba basically what it was going to do and wanted to do it anyway so that'll tell you something about the van Gogh. like why would the why the fuck would you do that dude anyway uh he did at least he claims to you ready? and so uh he spoke at a at a uh, specific room at um uh defcon and he says jack basobic was there mm -hmm. and he says after uh, Justin McConney uh, introduced himself to Defango, and Justin McConney is an important character. He's Trump's Twitter whisperer. Mm. So the guy who started in 2011 to build up Donald Trump's social media from mm -hmm. you know this sort of weird old fuck, you know, t tweeting bullshit into his phone into a monster, mm -hmm. right? tens and tens of millions of followers on everything. Mm -hmm. That was Justin McConney who did that previous to 2016. Important. So, so uh, Justin McConney's dad is the fucking vice president of Trump organization. He's the controller. He's the main finance guy. He's the money guy. Okay. So you got fucking Jeffrey McConney and his kid uh, do, like running the, the money. And you've got his kid running the fucking social media and turned into psyops. Mm. So um, Justin McConney introduced himself to to Defango, 
And he introduced himself, and this is important, as a member of MAGA-3X. Mm-hmm. Not as a member of the Trump administration. Uh, uh, he didn't introduce him in Defango's words as a Fed. He introduced himself as a member of MAGA-3X. And as anyone who's followed me knows, I keep telling you, that's who started Q. Yeah. Right. And so uh, Justin McCartney um, then apparently, according to Fango, walked around for the evening with him and met other people and yada yada um, uh, and talked about Q, talked about this idea. And then Defango says he dumped him at a concert somewhere. And then a week later, and this is important, this is the news to me. A week later, he says that Justin McCartney called him back a Trump administration official called Defango, this fucking troll, and said, hey, let's do that thing, that LARP you were talking about that's going to sigh out the shit out of America. Let's let's do that thing, right? So just fucking pause there. Like, what he's saying is, and I'm sorry for the fucking conspiracy-sounding language, he's saying QAnon was an inside job. He's saying the fucking Trump administration or members thereof on purpose started Q. That that McConney called Defango and said, hey, I got a server. It's all set up. I'm with this other guy named Droog, who we'll talk about at a different time. Um, come to my server and let's start this Q thing. And he did. And that's where it fucking started. And, and, you know, why should I believe this guy? Why should, why would anyone believe this fucking guy? Well, the reason is because the stuff he says, like, I keep, I keep believing it's not true. I keep wanting it not to be true because I don't want this guy to fucking know anything because he's an asshole. But the fact is that, that everything, or not everything, a lot of what he says turns out to be true. So let's play this real this clip real quick with that background. Sorry for the lengthy. Or so, that was so one. Let me be clear about this. So Justin called you back a week later after DEFCON. Yeah, it was say, after DEFCON. Let's do it, right? And he was like, let's do it. And it's funny because okay. when you so, look so at what I, happened I, I with McConaughey. I, I got to pause here. Hold on. This is important, right? Because here's here's what you're saying. Here's the claim. And I want to just make, like make this, make this clear. And I'm not... De- doubting you or endorsing it but you're saying something really important which is you had this idea for the q right and you met fucking trump's twitter whisperer like justin mccarney the twitter like the guy who's been with trump for 10 fucking years and grew his entire social media and got fired by trump that 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 same month it was the last month that he like i thought i thought he left in march of 2018 no, it was in November of 2017. He was out. Oh, that's so it's like in I September learned, we that. were talking about. But, but hold yeah. on, but 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 it's important though because what this means is the fucking Trump administration <laughs> started or, or co-created Cube, right? Yeah, in, in a small with, way, with, yes. Like under the aegis of Mega Three X, which is fucking Flynn and Peter Thiel's thing. So, exactly. so it's really important what you're what you're saying. It's an important claim that that the guy from the Trump administration called you back and was like, "Cool, let's do this fucking 4chan LARP." So, 
Now, please continue. I apologize, but I, I just think it's an important moment to capture. So, um, you know, look, uh, I I recorded that interview with him, uh, and and it, because he's fucking Defango, he he live streamed it. Uh, you know, You're such an asshole, all, God. Including all the free stuff and me going, you know, taking a break and like, you know, it's just like, dude. Like, mm-hmm. so there's a couple things. Um, so I think that that's really important and is absolutely worth some serious ass investigation, right? Mm-hmm. Because if it's true, if it's true, mm-hmm. it means a lot. It means all that's of right. this was started inside the federal government. Mm-hmm. So um i think that 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 i thought that that was worth uh yeah bringing up uh yeah. let's uh let's zoom out a little bit now i'm gonna i'm gonna cover two quick things uh one um bio labs mm-hmm. uh do we have that story sean yep um so you know last week uh i i was like yo <laughs> What the fuck's going on with these bio labs, man? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I saw that that the entire QAnon cult was was making up these stories about bio labs, and then the next day, the White House says, <laughs> uh, "Putin might do biological weapons," mm-hmm. and it was because of this. It was because of the propaganda, and then four days later, the New York Times like does a story about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think, you know, without being self-promotional, there is a difference between people like us and the New York Times, mm-hmm. um, and um, that which doesn't even get to the part where they said that a mentally ill South African who believes Q is real, like psyoped mm-hmm. America. But that's a different mm-hmm. story. Um, I think it, I, it's important that um, you know people understand that these these things are they're seeable, they're viewable. They yeah. you can you can detect them before they happen. Right. Um, and it's and I'm I'm grateful that the the government is is finally starting to to do some of that fighting back. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think it's important that people not only look at you know the mainstream but also you know um, teams like us. Well. Um, Yes, of course. And also, you ended that story by asking Apple and Google to stop allowing Telegram in their stores. It's a very like, hey, fix this. It's real it's not- simple. Yeah, it's real simple. They got they got rid of RT. They got rid of like, I don't know, maybe a handful of like pure Nazi channels. Yeah. They didn't even right. get rid of them, actually. They just right. made it, you know, unviewable by Apple and, and Google viewers. Yeah. Um, fuck that shit. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. Th- there is nothing yeah. good happening on Telegram no. with Americans. That's right. Like, that's not true overseas, right? Like Zelensky is using it. Like, yeah. you know, there's like, like it is a fundamental communications tool for people in America. It's, I mean, who the fuck uses it for anything but consuming propaganda in America? Yeah. No, zero, zero people. So. Yeah. That was um, a really important hellscape. The one contribution I want to say is you also did an article um, where you showed that the treason is now public 
the alliance yes, with Putin they, uh, is now public. Yeah. It's no longer clandestine or is it or isn't it? They are just, just out a, there. We, we'll take a quick look and finish that. Finish this up with that one if we can. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's an important concept called the fifth column, which is mm -hmm. uh, the idea of building a a group of um, adversaries inside of a group, mm -hmm. right? So you you develop inside a country in clandestine ways a group of people who are agreeing to be against the larger group even though they are claiming to be in it right mm -hmm. that's a fifth column and it's been you know it's been used um you know for as long as there's been there's been warfare um but this one is now so typically in in country you know when countries go through civil war and things like that a fifth column is developed and it's clandestine it's mm -hmm. under the the radar and it's people sort of winking and nodding and agreeing to each other and doing some stuff in the dark um and QAnon was like that for years it was always this it was always this it was always a fifth column they said it themselves mm -hmm. um but now uh, the clandestine part of the operation is yeah. over. Right. Like, Flynn is just straight up, like, trashing Zelensky, yeah. pushing Putin at every possible way, trashing our government, trashing our uh, everything about America. Yeah. That man hates America more than anything else. And uh, it's just important that we understand that that not only is this fifth column real but you can just go look at it now you yeah. can just watch tucker fucking carlson who's mm -hmm. who's just straight up putin's propaganda yeah who's now and, required uh, and you can see the fifth column in action yeah 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 well we have marty here yeah so happy um, does it bring up yeah I, one last one last that's sentence it, that's it on a on Jim's show, I realized that when I was talking about how we dismantle the vast underground troll economy, I realized a it's not so underground anymore, and b it has to be a top-down job. We have to start with the tech execs at the top, who've who are really the king trolls of all this. So that's just the button I want to do on all of this. I just want to button up the last thing by saying this has to be a top-down job. Um, so hopefully we can actually move on. And one way to do it is to follow the money, which brings us to our, ah, Martin, hey, howdy. Martin Shiel. Are you wearing a jersey? <laughs> Cubs. Yay. Cubs, buddy. All right. Opening All right. day, spring training today. Got to represent. Oh, that's delightful. That's so good. We needed you like just this I got happy baseball here. Yeah. I'm in a happy place now. <laughs> we'll have a public service announcement a little later. <laughs> we needed you because this has been. <laughs> You're all in. All in. Ah, <sighs> uh, there's I... more. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh my gosh i i really hope our viewers stay with us until uh, mark shill shows up because we have a, had a very somber opening because there's a lot of uh somber news however um now we are going to get to the really fun stuff uh where we get to follow the money with our friend who is a retired 
IRS criminal investigator. He likes following the money, just to remind everybody. It's uh, guys like him that managed to follow uh, Al Capone, which ultimately led to his demise, uh, his exposure, demise, and incarceration. And so um, we are we are really uh, seeing some action where when you were here just a couple months ago, you were suggesting what we need to do in order to back Putin into a corner. Now we're doing a lot of that, but I so want to start with your assessment of what you think about the arrest of Jack Hannock, former Fox News director who moved to Russia to build a pro-Putin media empire uh, with a sanctioned oligarch dating back to 2014 sanctions, first arrest that occurred um, under those sanctions, and tell us what you think it could possibly mean. I'd be happy to, uh, Heidi. Uh, first, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's uh, always a joy and a pleasure to uh, work with you all. Um, just one minor correction in that um, preamble. Um, I personally did not put Al Capone in jail. That <laughs> <laughs> occurred about 100 years ago. And I, I am an old fart, but not quite that old, okay? <laughs> I said guys like you. <laughs> but the point is, the point remains, so it was Treasury agents that got Al Capone and they got him on tax evasion by following the money. And they you know, dried up all his rackets, took all his money and threw him in prison. And that is the best way to go after a racketeer, whether it's uh, someone running um, organized crime rackets or someone who uh, runs a mafia state like Mr. Putin. Uh, go after his money, uh, sever him from his money, and that's hitting him in the wallet. That's where it hurts. But to get to your question, Zach <laughs> um, uh, is a fascinating individual. Uh, the guy he works with, uh, subordinate to uh, Konstantin Malofiev, uh, is another fascinating guy. Um, but you're right. You know, when I break things down, I follow the money. And Mr. Hanek and Mr. Malofiev were indicted a month or two ago. Um, for sanctions um, evasion. Um, and um, Jack was uh, also indicted for lying to the FBI, making false statements to the yes. FBI. Um, ju just to um, you know, get the, the technical stuff out of the way, you need to break this down for context purposes in terms of where this might go. Um, the charges that um, Jack Hanek is facing uh, has to do with IEPA. You know, that's the acronym for the International Economic uh, Powers Act, something like that. Uh, and the total, the totality of the charges uh, based on IEPA is he's looking at an exposure, a prison exposure, this is how they talk, of a statutory maximum of 20 years. Um, now, the second charge or basic charge is the lying to the FBI or making false statements to the FBI. That has a statutory maximum of five years. Now that all sounds like a lot, but what happens when you go through the process is there's something called the federal uh, sentencing guidelines that there's a calculation that's done based on um, damages, uh, uh, based on um, acceptance of responsibility or past uh, malfeasance or whatever. 
So there's upward departures and downward departures. And the judge and the U.S. Marshals get together and they do this calculation and they come up with basically how many months to serve. You know, hardly anybody does the statutory maximum, right? So let's take that 20 years and the five years off the board and start talking in terms of what kind of months we're looking at or Jack and his attorneys would be looking at. And the IEPA charge, uh, the sanctions charge, he's looking at probably several years to serve, okay? Um, I don't want to say an exact amount because I don't know all the, I, uh, you know, the upward and downward departure factoids, so I can't really say. Uh, the, but that's important because, remember, Jack is 71 years old. Uh, you look at, you know, three, four, five years in jail at this point in your life, and he's such a family man, remember? Yeah. He uh, is a member of the uh, International World Congress of Families. Yeah. So, uh, you know, be severed from his family for any length of time, particularly at his age, uh, is a lot to contemplate. So then you look at the second charge, the lying to the FBI or the making of false statements, uh, Title 18,001. Use that charge many a time. It's a very handy charge, and it's the fallback. It's the go-to, the default charge that law enforcement, federal law enforcement likes to use because it's really flexible in terms of the sentencing guidelines and coming up with, you know, when you're negotiating a plea, you know, you kind of like start with, well, you know, you could go way up here, and, you know, they say, no, no way. <laughs> uh, I'll go to trial. Uh, or maybe we could, you know, after several plea negotiation sessions, you come down, it gets down to, well, we massage this calculation here, you accept responsibility there, uh, uh, we get some letters of commendation over here, uh, maybe we can get it down to oh, 12 to 18 months to serve. How would that go? And it's going to be something like that. You know, Maybe it'll be 15, something like that. And that may be much more palatable than the alternative charge of, you know, four or five years to serve when you're 71 years old and tight with your family. Uh -huh. So that's what you're balancing here. Now, if he decides to cooperate, you know, and, and become state state's witness, uh, who could he possibly give us? What could he give us? And that that's a multi-million dollar question. I don't really have an answer except you have to go into the FBI investigation. What were they looking at getting when they first opened the investigation? And we can't just discount Malofiev. You know, he he's like a, the, one of the chief propagandists uh, of Putin. He started up this uh, Segarod uh, television station, which is the major propaganda channel in Russia. And uh, Hanek has helped him... Uh, every step of the way. They set up uh, the same kind of thing in Greece and also in Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, they're spreading propaganda out there. And um, so the other thing you want to look at with Moloviev is he is financing or provided a lot of financing to the gu two guys in charge of the two separatist uh, provinces in mm -hmm. Ukraine, yeah. in, in Donbass. So now Moloviev, I happen to know, also has many offshore shell companies. He also made his first millions um, with opening up an investment firm. You know, that also has offshore um, 
connections. Yeah. So, all right, following the money, who gave, is that Malofiev's own money that's going to Donbass to those separatist leaders? I kind of doubt it. When you look behind the money that goes into setting up all these um, television stations in Russia, I mean, they are first class. If you ever watched any of their shows, first class production, studios are beautiful. Um, the graphics, the music, everything, first class. If they didn't speak Russian, you, you would think that you're watching Fox TV, okay? Mm. Literally. So it's, they put a lot of money into it because it's important to them. It's important to Putin that the masses believe in his propaganda and his disinformation and that, you know, you know they're, they're, they went into Ukraine to rescue at the request of uh, the leaders of Donbass to rescue the Russians who were being annihilated by the bad Ukrainians, you know? And, and the people out in the middle of Russia, out in the rural areas, the country, you know, just like the people out in the rural areas and the country in this country, believe everything they hear on TV. And I most just, uh, people, you know, and they just eat it right up. I, I just sorry, uh, just not sorry to interrupt, but there was a um, an interview with a, a Ukrainian who was being bombed in Kiev, and uh, and his father in Russia would not believe him. Did not believe that. his own son. Right? Yeah, I saw that. His own, did not believe his own son when his son told him he was being bombed by Vladimir Putin. Yeah, I I, I believe. Before Marty gets to the punchline, because I know he's leading up to one, I just yeah. want to point out that knowing as much as I know about the backstory, he just casts so much shade on Hannick. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, you, you just cast some serious subliminal shade. Okay. Okay. Well, let me be more direct here. Let me talk about who I believe to be the one subsidizing uh, Malofiev and Hanrik in Russia. And it's a guy who's known in Russia as the Russian Rupert Murdoch. Okay. His, yeah, his, he, he runs the Bank of Russia. His name is um, Yuri Kovalchuk. Mm -hmm. He's uh, a longtime uh, buddy. Well, he's besties with Putin. They go back to the St. Petersburg days. Um, bank Russia was just a tiny, dinky little bank. And so you know, they were just struggling to get along when Putin became the deputy mayor of St. Petersburg and started throwing municipal monies into that bank to hold and deposit and to, you know, invest and loan out, whatever. Putin moves up the ranks, becomes head of FSB. Bank Russia now starts financing a lot of the KGB intelligence activities overseas and everywhere else. They have a bunch of money in Bank Russia. Bank Russia is growing by leaps and bounds. Putin becomes uh, president, premier. Bank Rossio <laughs> really becomes big. Putin throws much more money into Bank Rossio. Now, what he, Putin also did was he um, diverted funds from Gazprom into Bank Rossio. So at the early stages of Gazprom, when Putin took over, uh, Gazprom, oh, by the way, Fortune magazine uh, nominated uh, uh, Gazprom as the number one most corrupt large company in the world. Wow. Several years running. And, but Congratulations, uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Golf clap. Yeah. Is known in Russia as, as Russia's main artery. That's where the money is. You know, uh, 
Russia is a petro state and, and mm-hmm. Gazprom and Rosneft are the two petro companies that generate the vast majority of the uh, gross national product of Russia. Anyway, uh, so bankruptcy is now banking all of Gazprom's uh, revenues. So they become enormous. Uh, so, and, and Kovalchuk becomes even tighter with Putin. But Putin wants his pound of flesh. He says, okay, Yuri, uh, I need some things from you. I'm making you a rich man, you know, just as he did with the other oligarchs. Mm-hmm. And, and Yuri never did become a kleptocrat. He stayed there in St. Petersburg and, 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 and he's now, he vacations with Putin. They go to the various palaces of, of Putin and they go overseas. They, they go on yachts. We'll get to yachts later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got yachts on the list <laughs> I know you're here. Looking for that. But, uh-huh. but Putin says, hey, Yuri, I need some things from you. Um, main thing to me, I want the media controlled. I want, you know, really first class television and mm-hmm. I want the message going out. I want to be able to control that message. So I need for you to subsidize. Here's my list of people for you to subsidize. And Mr. Moloviev was at the top of that list. And why? Because Moloviev and Putin are another couple of besties, very tight because of their their belief and support in Russian Orthodox religion. Yes. And which is, you know, very family oriented, but also has a lot of negatives going for it in that they're anti abortion, anti gay, yeah. anti immigrant. All the antis. Just like evangelicals in, yeah. in uh, the middle so, of the That's the, the intersection. Let me make one one interjection. So there's a there's a um, a, a part of it's supposed to be a, a semi-autonomous part called Rokor, which is Russian Orthodox Church outside Russia. Okay. Um, and that organization is basically, in my view, a neo-Nazi training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got like all it, it, it's, it has a one cemetery in Mohawk, New York, and it, all the neo-Nazis go there. It's amazing. Like you go to Telegram and and see these neo Nazis, and a lot of them are are Rokor, um, and I find that extremely uh, disturbing and interesting. I believe it. Well, yeah. you know, that's that sounds just like Putin. He just projects, you know. Uh, he, yeah. he, he says, "Well, we're we're going into Ukraine to denazify it," you know. Mm-hmm. And, right. Well, he's projecting. Yeah. Right. right. So anyway, right. this guy Kovalcha, he he supports. Um, uh, Television station number one, which is mm-hmm. the the biggest station in in uh, Russia, but also Malovia. So mm-hmm. he's providing all sorts of money. Okay, so I would like to know, you know, how that money gets into Malovia's back pocket, and I'd also like to know uh, in the indictment they talked about the compensation that Hanek was getting from Malovia. And they actually named banks. A Russian bank was sending money, wire transferring money to Hanek's bank account in New York. Um, well, I'd like to know the name of that bank in New York. And I'd like to know the ultimate disposition of those funds. Was mm-hmm. Is it just Hanek paying his mortgage and his rent and his credit card bills, his monthly bills, just like we all have to do? Mm-hmm. Or was he then distributing monies from that account to political action committees, to mm-hmm. politicians, to campaigns, to dark money groups. I mean, was Hanek a bag man? You know, 
bringing money from Russia to politicians in this country. Was he providing money to any of his old associates at Fox, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, or affiliates? And the other thing is, was he a bagman from Fox to Russia uh, mm -hmm. or from anyone, politicians from here to there? Big question. Where does Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity <laughs> get my next there? question? Where do, you know, where do they get? The, it's like they're reading the Kremlin's notes. You know, I mean, it really like Tucker mm -hmm. is, is, is straight. I mean, Hannick was a producer or director for for uh, Sean Hannity for a long time. You know, mm -hmm. so I mean, what's which a, Fox, by the way, denies. However, um, yeah, yeah. Fox. Fox does not seem to be a uh, honorable actor in all of right. this. So, yeah. <laughs> who believes Fox? You know. <laughs> oh, so anyway, God. if if I'm the FBI and I'm the U.S. Attorney and, and I'm investigating Mr. Hannock, I would follow the money. I I would be all over the bank accounts and the wire transfers and following where does it ultimately go? You know, and 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 tell Mr. Hannock. I said, you know, look, you want you want a, a sweetheart deal. You have to play ball. You're 71. You're looking at serving a lot of years or maybe just a couple of years. And we could probably make it happen that you go to Club Fed somewhere near your family. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, so they can hand out some carrots, but they still have the big stick over here and yeah. see where it takes them. So, so that's my, my take on the, on the hand. Uh, to me, that's like listening to an opera. I just hear, I just hear an aria, you know, it's just so incredible. <laughs> I'm so grateful to you. I want you to do a quick summary of Christia Freeland because International Women's Day yes. uh, just happened. And I think it's very important to celebrate our international women and why they have great value. This is the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada who many of my new Canadian friends tell me may ultimately be the prime minister. What did she do? Why does it matter? Uh, besides being the deputy prime minister, uh, Christia uh, Freeland is also the finance minister of Canada. And in that capacity, she meets with her international brethren, brothers and sisters of, you know, the, uh, what do they call it? The six of the seven, the big seven, or the, I forget what they call that. Anyway. Seven. G7, that's it. Uh, Russia got kicked out of that, you know. Uh, G6? Trump, Trump tried to get him back. No, it used to be the G8. Yeah, Trump did, yeah. but oh. uh, they, they said, no, yeah. you're, not too, you're not too big. And the reason why is because <laughs> Russia doesn't produce anything. Now, I mean, yeah, have you ever heard anybody say, big. well, I, I want to buy a microwave or a dishwasher from Russian? You know, I want that, <laughs> I, I want that uh, you know, Russian, uh, you know, uh, uh, microwave. No, you know, you no. want from Germany, you want it from, you know. You know, but you know, we buy their freaking ammunition, nothing. though. Their 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 ammunition is one thing we do buy, uh, which yeah. is why they love our guns so much. Yeah, well, and they produce coalitionoffs too. I mean, yeah. You got to give them that. They you know yeah. they, they they do make a, a nice coalition. But but other than that, they produce nothing. Their economy is in tatters. It was in tatters, except for the oil and the gas that yeah. they sell all over the place. Okay, backing up. Um, the decision, the war is about to begin. The finance ministers internationally get together, trade ideas and whatnot, and it's generally agreed. We're going to apply sanctions. We're going to, you know, uh, knock them out of SWIFT. We're going to not 
you know, allow uh, any imports or, or exports into Russia with regard to certain, you know, microelectronics, uh, semiconductors, et cetera, et cetera. All right. But it's so very similar to 2014. Uh, they tightened up the sanctions a little bit, but it's still not quite there. Christia Friedland says, hey, we need to take out the big stick here. Putin's been planning this invasion for a long time. He's been gathering up his reserves. You know, he knows that sanctions are coming. And he put together what even Putin referred to as a rainy day fund. And this rainy day fund can be defined as 600 billion plus in foreign currency reserves maintained outside of Russia. Wow. Uh, by the central bank of Russia. So uh, Christia Freeland says, let's sanction that. Let's, because it's maintained outside of Russia, let's sever Russia's ability to access 600 billion in dollars and euros. You know, not rubles, or as they say over there, rubles. No rubles, no rubles. Dollars and euros. Okay. So, so, okay. So, she gets, she goes around, gets everybody on board, approaches uh, Joe Biden. Um, the weekend before they initiate the uh, sanctions, talks them into it. Multiple conversations, you know, low-key, brings them along. I suspect she's very much like you, Heidi, just flattered the heck out of them, you know, and said, oh, if you do this, you'll be the greatest president ever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and Biden bought it. And Biden said, yeah, let's do it. Not only did they do it, but they initiated those sanctions on Sunday night before the beginning of the week. So what is the impact there? Well, they caught Putin with his pants down economically. You know, he was so focused on the war and everything else, but economically they had to close the stock market right away or else they were going to have a yep. stock market crash. That stock market is still closed going on to the third week now. Okay. That was the first thing. They had to double the interest rate. The interest rate was at, running at the time at 9.75. It's now up over 20%. They doubled that. I mean, 20% interest, that's loan shark rates almost, you know? Exactly. Go higher. Mm -hmm. okay. So then all these Western companies left. You know, you can't get a Big Mac or a Whopper over there now, you know? And, and, and so what you're going to have, because of all these uh, sanctions, um, you're going to have businesses basically going bust. They can't sell. They can't buy. They can't import parts. They can't make anything. They can't sell anything. You know, mm. businesses are going to go bust. What's that going to do? They almost every business has open credit lines or loans that they have to repay to various banks. They're not going to make those repayments. So besides the businesses going bust, a lot of the banks in Russia will likely go bust. But this is where the central bank usually steps in and bolsters or bails out. You know, they, they bring in currency reserves, usually foreign currency reserves. They're not going to be able to do that this time. So that's why, to me, that was the most brilliant maneuver. All the banks are going to go south. They're, they're going to go belly up. The central bank is going to have a hard time repaying sovereign debt. They're going to lose all their debt ratings. No one... In the Western world is going to invest in Russia. Mm -hmm. So will the Chinese step in? Will the Indians step in? I, I don't know that they can because they don't want to risk sanctions either. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at 
an economic hit on the level depression level. Okay, this is going to be like a depression era in our country in wow. early 1930s. And I, you might, might recall looking at the black black and white film, I guess they call it back then, or videotape, where you know you had all these unemployed people uh, hanging out on street corners trying to sell apples. Mm -hmm. I say the same thing's going to happen in Russia, with the exception there won't be any apples. There's not going to be any of them. They're going to be selling their own belongings, you know, I mean, and it's, it's going to be pitiful. So, wow. so we have Christia Freeland to thank for that. Now the question is how long will that take? I don't know because you have a horrible war unfolding in Ukraine. Yeah. You have a serious economic war unfolding in Russia. Last thing I want to, last point I want to make is with regard to the ruble. The ruble has lost half its value in, in just a couple of weeks. Uh, a single ruble now is worth less than a single American penny, and it's going to go down from there. Lenin said, a long time back in, the, in his heyday, 100 years ago, said, the fastest way, the quickest way to demolish another country's economy is, and here's the famous part, is to debauch the currency. And everybody said, ah, it's just Lenin, just that old commie, you know, what does he know? Well, John Maynard Keynes, maybe the greatest economist ever, Nobel Prize winning a couple of times, he adopted Lenin's uh, sentence. He says, Lenin's right. The fastest way to, to debauch, to, to destroy another uh, country's economy is to debauch the currency. Well, you look at what's happening to the ruble, the ruble right now, it's plummeting in value. And there's no alternative because the foreign currency reserves are all overseas and unavailable to the central bank. So they, they're going to have a big nothing over there. They, they, they're going to be eating dirt. I mean, it's going to be that bad. Now, how quickly will that happen? No, no one knows because we've never had this scenario before. Wow. So, so that, that's my take on Ms. Freeland. What's your next question? Oh my God, I've got like four or five, but I just want to let that sink in for a second. Uh, we talked about our, on our show recently how in 1998, online Russian people, pro-democracy, pro-liberal, uh, you know, uh, government, and then 2,000 Russian state operatives came online and moved everybody toward totalitarianism. So they have been sealing off their information borders and cyber borders for some time. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out also psychologically. Um, I have like three or four things I want to get to Hi-Fi and we only got about another seven or eight minutes. Can you just uh, ask your question? Then I want to knock out a few of mine. All right. Uh so one of the one of the banks that pops up in my network maps of nefarious deeds is Deutsche Bank. Hmm. And Deutsche Bank, well, tell us your opinion about what just happened with Deutsche Bank. Okay. Um, I will in a second. I just wanted to, uh, you made a reference there, Heidi, that I just wanted to address because I don't know if you got the news. Uh, late breaking news today was, uh, well, Fox News is reporting that uh, Putin has fired his number one and number two guys in the FSB. Yeah. I don't know if you heard that. No. Oh, wow. yeah, no. They, I knew he fired some generals, but not, wow. Not, yeah, that, that's terrible. Not only did he fire them, he arrested, he's, they're under house arrest. Holy and, shit. 
Now, yep. Fox is saying is speculating, I think, by saying that Putin was uh, felt let down by the intelligence um, that he was getting from the FSB because he thought he was going to be able to just roll over Ukraine, and that didn't happen. You know, the Ukrainians are fighting like heck. And the other thing, to, to your point, Heidi, is um, Putin was very disappointed that the FSB did not control the technology available in Ukraine that allowed all these pictures and video and film of the atrocities that the Russians are perpetrating over there, the bombing of hospitals and cancer wards and maternity wards and, and old people and stuff. That's gotten out all over and everybody knows it. Yeah. Putin isn't controlling the message as you were just talking. It was so important to him, but he's not able to do that. FSB was supposed to do that and they didn't. So he's now arresting his top level people, you know? So that, I just want to make that's that quick. That's so huge. That, that, feels, that feels very different than he's just disappointed, honestly. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Feel, that feels like, like maybe, maybe, his, maybe the FSB was like, dude, what are you, what's going on here a little bit? Well, that also, you know, this is Fox's speculation as to why. Of course. Why. That, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm just paranoia going, if there's going to be a Putin push, you know, in other yeah. words, take him out. I, th I would think FSB's got to be right in the middle of that. Yeah. Being some generals, if they're going to take him out, you know, FSB, some generals and, and yeah. some oligarchs who can, you know, fund some uh, some revolution. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I don't I mean, know. That, I that too. But I, I, I have no idea. That, but but it doesn't feel like disappointment to me. It doesn't feel right. like, oh, oh I, I'm oh, feeling. Yeah, I'm sorry. You 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 didn't you didn't manage to. These like, are acts to... of war, and and yeah. so how do we? We'll 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 have a summary or a button okay. on Deutsche uh, Hi-Fi. But how does the world that is not corrupted and not applauding Putin's acts of you know criminal war crimes? How how do we make him cry, Uncle? What do we do? The people have to rise up. You know, uh, when okay. when you see, I'm sure you've seen the videotape of the young folks uh, yeah. protesting in Moscow and getting dragged yeah. away. Yeah. But Putin still, um, the polls show, he still has the majority support of the people overall, particularly out in the middle of the country, out in the rural parts. When you start to see in the protests um, the little old ladies, mm -hmm. babushkas, mm -hmm. when the babushkas start marching, that's when I think Putin can start thinking the, the curtain is going to come down on this and that everyone's going to see he's an emperor with no clothes. Okay. Wow, hey, Marty. Real quick talk about uh, Deutsche Bank. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, Deutsche Bank, by the way, you know, they said they were going to stay in Russia. Yeah. Well, Friday they announced that they're, they're getting out. Okay. <laughs> But, it was like in the yeah, same 24 hour period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the same they, they 24 hour period. But I, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, this kleptocrat uh, capture task force. Uh, yes. one, one, one of the main people I hope the task force goes after is a guy by the name of Yuri Soloviev. Uh, Yuri was an executive, high ranking executive of VTB, which is the biggest yeah. bank there. But some time ago, he was a the ranking uh, Russian uh, Deutsche Bank uh, management official and located in Moscow. His job 
was to procure clients for Deutsche Bank. Okay, and this is just when the Mira trade activity began, where Deutsche Bank uh, moved um, 12 to 14 billion dollars out of Russia to the UK and then out offshore. Now, Soloviev has been sanctioned. It didn't work in 2014 because he put all his money into his family members' names. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they, he got away with it. And the, the new sanctions have tightened it up. They're going to cover all the shell companies, but all family members too. But mm -hmm. the interesting thing about Soloviev uh, was he put his money uh, into his mother-in-law's name. Now, my, the question I raise, you know, I think I raise it with you, Heidi, is now I know lots of guys who like their mother-in-laws. I even know some guys who've come to love their mother-in-laws. But my question is how many guys truly trust their mother-in-laws to the point that they would transfer their net worth under the control of their mother-in-law. Well, I don't know, but <laughs> I suggest that Soloviev is going to lose all his money and he's going to end up, and I'm, uh, this is wishful thinking, he's going to end up saying, well, maybe I can make a deal with this uh, klepto capture task force. Maybe, yeah. maybe I can move to the States and they'll put my family, whole family, including mom-in-law in, you know, protective custody. Yeah. And I'll then walk the task force through the mirror trade steps and explain how that money moved, where it moved to, and who was involved, whose money it was that was moved. So I, I, I hear mir mirror trade and I just echoes of Robert Mercer in my head and Rentech in my head. Is there any possible way that there could be some connection? I don't know. I, 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 I'm reluctant to uh, go into that offshore area that I think we uh, uh, communicated on. Yeah. Uh, I would like to confirm, you know, what my initial analysis is that there is uh, offshore shell company connections between Mercer and Murdoch Company, but mm -hmm. I, I haven't confirmed that. What I will say is, it, where's the connection between Mercer? You know, if you look at Hanek and uh, Moloviev, well, Steve Bannon's right in there with them. Mm -hmm. Steve Bannon is also a member of the World Congress of Families, mm -hmm. and he's also been putting out all that propaganda. And he, and he was funded by Mercer for a long time. It was Bannon, a bagman for Mercer to Hanek and Moloviev. Who knows? You know, did to go back the other way too, since Mercer's company, he, he ran a, a, a hedge fund that invested heavily in Russian companies. Mm -hmm. And he had these Russian programmers who were supposed to know all this math and do all this, develop all these algorithms to do high speed trades and, you know, and do uh, thousands of transactions in nanoseconds and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they're very good at what they did because they made an awful lot of money. Mm -hmm. But they were always doing investments with regard to Russian companies. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, where did he get the information? Did he get inside information and mm -hmm. from where to do these transactions? 
I would love for someone to uh, provide some information. Maybe Hannah uh, has some insight on that. I don't know. But I, I, I don't want to go any further on Mercer. Sure. That's that. very interesting. Will that DOJ oligarch task force looking at Russian money laundering perhaps give those of us who've made this our life's work for the last, you know, six years hope that we may be able to track some of our uh, domestic um, yeah. actors in this? Here's the thing. One, one, one person I want to mention is Oleg Deripaska. We've probably all heard of him going back to the Manafort days. He was on, Manafort was on Deripaska's payroll and, you know, Deripaska's tight with Putin and all that. And um, well, Deripaska invested in a business in Kentucky, the great state of Kentucky. Um, and he did it <laughs> at the bidding and at the support of Mitch McConnell, who... Mm -hmm. Was pasted with the Monica, you know, Moscow Mitch. After that, uh -huh. I want to see just how hard the uh, klepto capture task force is going to pursue Deripaska's business interests in the great state of Kentucky. That'll tell me if this task force is for real. Okay. Okay. And if they go after Deripaska and they do it successfully, God bless them. Then now I have some hope you know, that we actually have a department of justice that that's doing their job and, and maybe they'll go after, um, Deutsche Bank. Maybe, you know, the task force in their mission statement says that they're also supposed to be going after those who enabled and facilitated the movement of all this money laundering and movement of all this money and investments. Well, when you talk about enablers, uh, in the financial world, you're talking about bankers, you're talking about lawyers, you're talking about accountants. Yeah, there are some major, major law firms involved. Baker McKinsey has got this is the biggest law firm in the world based on number of attorneys, and they got a huge office in Moscow. Which, by the way, they just departed this past week. Mm. So, and then you got these giant accounting firms. You know, Ernst and Young, Price Waterhouse, Deloitte. If you look at the shell company formations down in the Caribbean, they're all over that. They're right in the middle of that. You know. So if the task force goes after these enablers for the Russian oligarchs and the Russian elite, and they have some success, will they finally turn around like a big ocean liner and come after the American elite, the American oligarchs, and start leveling the play, playing field between the haves and the have-nots in this country financially? That's the question I have. There you go. Wow. Baby, take a bow. <laughs> I mean, Public service announcement. <laughs> Happy time. Support your little league. Uh, I, I, little league coach for 15 years. All right. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, so Marty, you're going to come back, right? Because we want to talk about yachts and we want to talk about give, set, yeah. go, and we want to talk about all these things. But I think this is enough for people to digest for one episode. That was fantastic. Thank you so Thanks, much. You're welcome. Wow. Thank you. So glad to have you here, man. You're Thanks the best. So he, he doesn't know this, but I uh, refer to him as Radpod's financial reporter because, <laughs> God, can we just like, just let that sink in for a second? Like, nope. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. 
I just I don't I don't understand how people can't look at all of the shady shit that Deutsche Bank has been involved in yeah. and not go somebody needs to tear that place apart because they are fucked up. Well, the tentacles just like, this, this is rooted. This is just like the information war, the financial corruption. It's you rooted know. so deep. No. Yeah. Oh. Oh, my oh my God. God. I've been yeah. dog sitting all day. And I don't know. He just came in just now. His timing is impeccable, you know? We had to show that dog. Oh. <laughs> What's his oh, name, Marty? Quincy. Oh, Quincy. Hi, yeah. Quincy. I, I, used to, I used to run the oh forensic God. lab for the Treasury Department, and, and some of the agents started calling me Quincy after the, the show, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. No, just remember that Deutsche Bank uh, in the last administration, you know, the president owed yeah. Deutsche Bank over $350 million. Uh, so the Department of Justice did start <laughs> an investigation into the mirror trades. Somehow that never went anywhere. <laughs> I why. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. See you, Quincy. Oh. Bye, buddy. Oh I had to my God, again. he is just too much. I just, you, you guys know, I'm a CPA groupie. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm the tax man groupie. I, I learned so much because I am CPAs not a mathematician. I am not a mathematician, so I defer to the mathematicians. Um, thank God. Wow, you guys. Wow, the show is amazing. Uh, so is this it, Connor? Is, is this it? it? Yeah. We'll see Do you we have... Later. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll see. Yeah. See you at Radpod and Chill. And how nice that we started so somber and we got to end with uh, Marty and his baseball and his yeah. bug. I guess. Till next yeah. time. <laughs>